0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Disney Dining Show. I am your host, Pete Werner, joined at the table this week by my good friend, Steve Porter. Hello. Uh, Charles Boda. Hey, folks. And joining us for the first time on one of these shows, my good friend, Eric Gross. Hello. And um, Eric is actually, uh, Eric joined us for this review. Uh, Eric's a good friend of mine. And Eric's going to be working with us on another project that we're going to be announcing... Um, on our marathon show at the end of November, November 24th. So uh, stay tuned for that. But I wanted Eric to get some experience being in the studio because we'll be doing some shows around this new thing that we're doing. And Eric just needs to get some experience. So he's as nervous as hell right now. Just a little bit. <laughs> um, and uh, so we've been uh, letting him know that the Internet will mock him um, because he's now on camera. I'm kidding. I'm kidding.
1: Just for the first nine months or year or so. <laughs> yeah, really? Yeah.
0: yeah. All right. So, um, interesting um, uh, Interesting review that we have to do today. Um, as some of you may know, uh, Sebastian's Bistro, the new table service restaurant at the Caribbean Beach Resort, just opened uh, like literally two days before we were recording this. We were there for the opening night. Uh, and you may also know that previously the table service restaurant at Caribbean Beach Resort, which was shutters, uh, is uh, you know was was not our favorite did not get always get great reviews. Um, but we thought, you know let's let's check this place out. let's see you know Caribbean beach has been under construction for what feels like thirty seven years. <laughs> and so now that the the new food court and check-in area uh, and restaurant were all opening on the same day. We wanted to go check it out. So we did. We went for dinner. We had a late dinner. Uh, reservation was for 8.40 p.m. that night. And, you know, one of the things that I, I normally will not review a restaurant on its opening night because it's not always fair because they've got to get their legs under them and they've got to figure things out. It's a new restaurant. Um, and this is a completely new restaurant. This is not in the same place that... Uh, Shutters. Shutters was. They built a whole new building for this. Um, so, this really was... This is brand new. And I decided, you know what? Let's check them out. Because if they can knock it out of the park on their opening night, then it is definitely a new day in uh, uh, for, for Caribbean Beach and table service restaurants. So, in we went. And um let's just talk about first the the theming of it um i think eric you had the mm-hmm. the best description uh the best description of it when you basically said it reminded you of a hilton yeah a tropical hilton yeah a, a very very hilton-esque mm-hmm. and the, a white it's very white i had originally said like apple store mm-hmm. meets restaurant mm-hmm. um very white um some tans and some blues um and not a lot of fixtures in there I, that evoked Caribbean.
2: I will say, though, it was mentioned to us by our waiter or server that um, it this isn't completely done. Like, there's still some lighting fixtures that are going to be corally themed that they said haven't been installed yet and a couple other things that he said. So... I feel like the my judgment of the interior is still kind of up in the air because well, that maybe that's what's
1: going to put it over the
2: edge and give it that Sebastian
1: ocean-y feel. I I compared the pictures we took with the concept uh, concept art that they released, and yeah, they're gonna they'll install some new chandeliers, and that was one of the things that we brought up. Um, but overall, it's. The concept art didn't look that much different than what we saw, and that white a lot of people use because it's got a new, clean feeling. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's got sterility to it, like an Apple Store or a hospital, so or a Hilton. <laughs> yeah, or a Hilton. <laughs> yeah. um, so you know, they do, as far as the artwork is concerned, they they do evoke a bit of a Caribbean theme. But they could have done more, I think, with the furniture and with the drapery and stuff like that, to make to have like legitimate, authentic Caribbean pieces instead of just, you know, here's Sebastian paintings on the walls,
0: you know? So at the end of the day, um, I mean, it was it was very nice, but a little on the sterile side. But as Steve pointed out, they are still adding things to it. So we can give them a pass on that. And at the end of the day, what really matters is how good was the food. So let's talk about that. We ordered a lot of food. Uh, for this, we wanted to really get a good sample of what was on the menu. So, for our appetizers, um, we ordered uh, Jamaican meat pies, which were twelve dollars. We ordered the Marauder's snack, which was kind of like a sampler plate of tostones, arepas, house-made crackers with black bean hummus, guacamole, and pico de gallo. Um, we ordered the grilled jerk chicken, uh, and that the Marauder's snack was fifteen dollars. The grilled jerk chicken wings with cilantro lime crema and carrot ribbons were twelve dollars. Uh, Steve also tried the uh, crab cake with watercress salad and herb mayonnaise, fourteen dollars. And we did the Caribbean pull apart rolls that with guava butter, mango chutney, and Jamaica jerk oil for twelve dollars. Um, and I, I'll start here and just say that I thought the Caribbean pull-apart rolls were fantastic. They were mm-hmm. fresh made. We know that because they'd run out by the time we ordered and the kitchen said, oh, that's all right. We'll make more. So they made them for us. Um, and they were like that, that Jamaican jerk oil was incredible. And it,
2: guava butter. I like yeah, that. The the too, guava butter, butter was, was really good.
0: My second favorite, but it was a distant second to that <laughs> Jerk olive oil. They did um, the um, mango. Uh, the mango chutney didn't do anything for me at all. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't find it particularly appealing, but the pull apart rolls were really good. Um, those jerk chicken wings, I thought, were fantastic. They were really good. Um, you know, they were they were substantial. They were not like chumpy little chicken wings. Mm-hmm. These were, you know, uh, 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 legs and thighs or legs and and uh, uh, drumsticks. I'm sorry, drumsticks and wings, (laughs) Um, done in a really nice jerk sauce that had a little bit of spice to it, but no heat. That's always what I worry about with any kind of jerk seasoning. I'm not a big fan of really, really spicy stuff. And so it gave me that flavor without um, the heat Mm -hmm. necessarily that goes along with it. what about you, Charles? What were your highlights?
1: All right. Um, well, I think I think what you just described about the j- jerked wings kind of sets the standard for how the rest of the meal went. Where you know my worry going into this was that there is a lot of spice and a lot of flavor into in uh, Jamaican or Caribbean food, and you know. If you hold back on the heat to make it more accessible, a lot of times people hold back on the flavor. And they did a good job with all of the appetizers, and then later on, by giving you flavor without the heat. Now, I like heat, but to a lot of people that's in inexce- that's that makes it less accessible. it's a deal breaker yeah, for a it's lot a deal of break- yeah, yeah. Especially at so um to make it more accessible to more people they managed to reduce the heat but still keep a lot of flavor um, my favorite honestly was the one i ordered the Jamaican meat pies they were because, so good and the thing is you can get these probably pretty much anywhere i mean even 711 sells a version of these behind the counter um, they're they're very popular and they're, there's a large variety of good and bad with it but they're not really hard to make. So if you're going to have them at a restaurant like this, it's how well can you do them? How well can you take something simple and really knock it out of the park? And they did. And that was also another good example for the rest of the restaurant. It's taking something relatively simple, but just knocking it out of the park. Um, Also that jerk oil that was with the pull apart rolls. I want to fill a pint glass with that and just, drink it all day every day it was, it was amazing so good. It was really but good. like when it comes to highlights every single appetizer that we had had one to 15 things i can mention that i won't elaborate here but that just appetizers in general yeah, they and were I, great
0: i actually think it's important to mention that um uh you know i say my favorites um there was nothing put on the table and i gotta say for appetizers or main course there was nothing put on the table that i thought was bad mm-hmm. They were yeah. just things i preferred oh, yeah. over others and so for me um like i said the dirt chicken wings and those uh, caribbean pull-apart rolls neither of which was on my diet but whatever um i so yeah the meat pies also were mm-hmm. were fantastic eric what about you what was your opinion of the of the appetizers
3: I have to talk about the crab cakes. I'm not a big crab cake fan, but I thought they were amazing. The sauce that they had with them was phenomenal. I think the sourness, because it had a little bit of like a pickle chutney or some sort of pickle addition to the sauce, and I was really surprised by that. But I thought it complemented the crab perfectly. I was so shocked, and I loved it. So that was definitely my favorite appetizer.
0: And I, yeah, I'm not, I don't eat Mm -hmm. seafood and I took a taste of it and I was like, wow, this is really, really good. And, you know, just like you said, those chunks of fresh crab that were in there, there Mm -hmm. wasn't a lot of filler. It was, Mm -hmm. you were eating a crab cake, but Steve, you're the crab cake expert. You get them everywhere we go.
2: Yeah. I try to order them as much as possible. And I think that these crab cakes were the, probably the best on property. Not that there's a ton of locations that you can get crab cakes, but, um, I think it's, you know, better even including Disney Cruise Line. I think it's the best crab cake. I, I mean, definitely on property and one of the better ones I've had just in general. Um, I also like the jerk oil with pole pull part um, roll. And I think, I mean, I think it's a consensus that we all liked everything. Um, but yeah, the, the jerk chicken wings were really good. I would i after having these jerk chicken wings i would consider there's a uh, entree like a jerk chicken entree um and i think in the future i'd probably order that just because of how much i enjoyed those jerk chicken wings um so yeah i think i liked everything i think you can't really go wrong just go with what your preference is and it's probably going to be outstanding
0: now moving on to our our main courses um uh, I ordered the slow-cooked pork shoulder that comes with black beans, cilantro, rice, corn tortillas, and a mojo sauce for $25. Um, Steve, or, or Charles got the Caribbean goat curry with cilantro, rice, lime crema, and a crispy yucca for $24. Steve, remind me what you had. I
2: had the sustainable fish. It was a, a cobia uh, fish. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also had... Um, a plantain, mashed plantain base, uh, or, you know.
0: And an Escovitch sauce, whatever that was.
2: Yeah, I don't know what that was, uh, but everything tasted good. And
0: that was $25. And Eric, which one did you get again? I had the uh, sautéed shrimp and tamale. With peppers and salsa verde for $23. Mm -hmm. So, um, now, the way my, the server, by the way, um, our server, uh, Miguel, Mm -hmm. phenomenal. Mm -hmm. And this was where I started realizing this was a very different experience than what I was expecting. Again, opening night. Usually there's going to be like a hectic energy to a restaurant on its opening night because people are, you know, still figuring out what they're doing. Both the kitchen and the front of house staff. Yeah, there was none of that going on. You would have thought this place had been open for years, and you would have thought Miguel had been serving there for years. He knew this menu like the back of his hand, and he wasn't struggling to, oh, I forgot what's in this, or I forgot. He just knew it. He knew it. And the service, he was on top of everything. It's like, okay, wow, this is not what I was expecting. you know. And then what comes out of the kitchen, uh, he described the slow-cooked uh, pork shoulder to me as a deconstructed taco. So you've got the, 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 the pork shoulder, you've got the black beans, you've got the cilantro rice, and the corn tortillas. And initially, I just started, I wanted to get a, a bite of this pork shoulder. I, I got to tell you, it was like, I was blown away how good it was. Um, there was some, I, I don't know exactly what they did with the marinade or the cooking process for this pork shoulder. But it, because I'm like, okay, what are you going to do to pork, pork shoulder to make it Caribbean? Well, you're going to put some cinnamon and you're going to put some citrus, but you're not going to be heavy handed with it. It's going to be an undertone. And so that you have this, this combination of flavors that you just weren't expecting. And I'm like, okay, that might be the best pork shoulder I've ever tasted. Um, then when you combine it with those black beans, the cilantro rice, and the corn tortilla, and you go ahead and you make your taco. Now you're like, okay, well if this is what tacos taste like. I'm gonna eat them every day. Um, and again, for $25, the size of the portion, the quality of the meat, uh, and the uh, the ingredients, the way it was prepared, the way it was presented, It's like, wow, okay, absolutely worth $25. Charles, you were the brave one going for something most people will not order Mm -hmm. off a menu because I think it scares a lot of people. uh, Goat. Um, So Caribbean goat curry with cilantro, rice, lime crema, and a crispy yucca for $24. Tell me about your dish.
1: Okay. Um, Well, I've had a version of this dish many, many different times in my life before. Um, certainly never on Disney property. Um, and I doubt even at like uh, the same, uh, similar kind of restaurant. And so I wasn't sure until about getting it until, um, until we talked to the server Because they did it a little differently. So usually if I get a goat curry, what it is is rice. And then the way the goat is done um, every time I've had it made in an Indian place or West Indian place is that they chunk it with a cleaver. So you've got parts of goat and parts of bone in there, which great flavor, but it makes it difficult to eat. And in my head, I was like, I got to see how they're doing that here. And they do it differently. And I was surprised, but I was actually really happy with the results. And once again, taking a dish that people might not like and making it more accessible. So the goat was actually, uh, you know, almost similar in consistency to your pulled pork yeah. Maybe um, it, it was like braised and it was long and it was uh tender and f- i won't fibrous i don't want to say stringy because that seems bad to some people um goat is really chewy this wasn't overly chewy to where people can eat it and i was surprised i'm sitting at a table with three other people and all four of us liked a goat dish when we had bites of it though one of the cool things that they did too is they had shaved yuca on top. Yuca is def- generally not my jam. Um, but they had shaved yuca on top of it, then the goat underneath, then a, uh, what's it, cilantro rice underneath that. So the textural diversity there and biting into it and having that crispy shaved yuca on top, the goat in the center, and then the rice on the bottom managed to create this really great flavor and texture pattern that I didn't expect from this dish, let alone any dish. Um, and it wasn't... The Yukon top and the texture differences wasn't a cheap gimmick. Like, they actually did a good job making one concise, like, fun flavor experience.
0: And and that's what, both with the appetizers and the main courses, and we'll talk about the dessert separately. What I noticed almost immediately looking at this menu and then how it was executed, there's a lot of thought and creativity that has gone into these dishes. Mm -hmm. It is not, wow, this tastes good, let me throw it in a bowl and hand it to you. There's a lot of thought about how these various ingredients go together, Mm -hmm. how it creates an experience, and how authentic that experience is going to be to the theme of the Mm -hmm. restaurant.
3: (laughs) That's what I was going to say
1: as well. Sometimes when you see a really nice... Presentation and all of these dishes looked beautiful yeah, as a like, thing. But very a lot, photogenic. A lot of times when you see really nice presentation, that's the reason. It's just for aesthetics. But this, you'd see a, a nice, unique presentation, and it turned out it would actually complement the meal. It wasn't just to look nice; it's to be eaten in a certain order, something like that. There's forethought that went into the recipes that I liked. Now,
0: um, uh, Sean, Eric. You had the uh, you had the sauteed shrimp with tamales uh, and tamales with peppers and salsa verde twenty three dollars. Mm-hmm. Tell me your thoughts on that dish.
3: I really like that dish. I think sometimes tamales can taste a little earthy, and I think people stray away from it because of that. But um, the salsa verde really brightened up the dish as well as the um, shrimp and really complemented it well, which is what I was going to say earlier with what um, you were talking about with the flavor complements and combinations. I think this restaurant nailed it. And I think that's the marker of a really good restaurant is how well they can create really interesting flavor combinations that are a little unexpected. I know salsa isn't super unexpected with tamales, but just with echoing what we've eaten at Um, you know, in the appetizers and with every entree or every course, there was a really great flavor combination. So I, I really like that about my dish. Um, I did wish it had a little bit more shrimp, but that's my only
0: complaint. Well, and $23. I mean, and honestly, you know, you're looking at the, the, the menu here. Um, the cheapest dish on the menu is the jerk butternut squash, which we did not have that $17. The most expensive one, um, it's a sustainable whole fish. Um, is that what you got, the citrus sustainable whole fish? Uh, yes. Okay, that's the mo- uh, I, I was looking, because oh, okay. there's a sustainable fish with mashed plantain and the Escovitch sauce at $25. Oh, no, 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 I didn't... And then there's the a citrus stuffed sustain- no. sustainable whole fish with turmeric brown rice and cilantro lime vinaigrette. Yeah. That's 34
2: I didn't get the citrus one then. So I just you have the, the sustainable
0: yeah. fish. So really, you're looking for between $17 and $34 for an entree. Um, and... By Disney standards, um, I have paid much more and gotten much less Mm -hmm. for my money um than i did here but talk to me about your sustainable fish dish uh
2: yeah so if you've watched any other disney dining show that we've done you probably know that i have of anyone the most basic palate i like my mac and cheese i like my burgers um and i will say originally when coming into this i saw the menu and i was like goat curry like all these different options i was like i don't know about this for me uh but i just went with the sustainable fish to just try it see how it went and i was pleasantly surprised i thought it was really good uh, like I mentioned earlier, it was a cobia fish. Um, it was really flaky. Uh, it kind of, the flavor, it, it wasn't fishy at all, and it kind of just let everything else on the plate do the the heavy lifting. Um,
0: but flavor-wise.
2: Flavor-wise. Uh, and I I actually really enjoyed that because the mashed plantains were really good. There was the roasted peppers that were mixed in that were yeah, delicious. Those, ma-
0: those mashed plantains were yeah, uh, they're they're absurd. How that was my nice favorite part. part yeah,
2: too. it was really, really good. Um, and so I think for people that are a little less adventurous like me, um, and you know, someone makes the reservations for Sebastian's, you know, don't be too concerned right away, um, with what you see on the menu and just kind of try something and kind of go outside your comfort zone because I really was pleasantly surprised with, um, my dish and I would order this again. Um, next time I'll probably get the jerk chicken, like I said earlier, but I thought it was really good.
0: Well, I, I, and it brings up a good point. This was a concern we had when Jungle Skipper Canteen opened at the Magic Kingdom, a very exotic menu, and that it was going to turn off a lot of people who are not adventurous eaters. So they were smart in this with a jerk chicken dish at $22, a grilled skirt steak, chimichurri, uh, chimichurri, excuse me, uh, at $28. Um, So there's some safe bets. Mm hmm. (laughs) Um, and then the more wild stuff like uh, the goat curry, which I tasted and the first thing I said, because I, I hear goat and I'm thinking, this is going to be gamey, gamey, gamey <clears throat> and I don't like gamey food. I don't like it at all and if I taste even the slightest bit of game in my food I will not I will not finish it and there was none of it in there um, so uh I think they were smart in how they structured this menu. what my big concern is though, and this was my big concern when we reviewed be our guest when it first opened over in the Magic Kingdom because they you know we gave it great reviews, and I said, as long as this restaurant is allowed to continue to invest in good quality ingredients and you leave the chef alone let him do what he's supposed to do because what happens is they'll start off like this and then management gets greedy and like oh this restaurant's doing well so you know what we're going to cut back on the cost of the ingredients we're going to cut back on all that stuff and we're going to raise the price which is exactly what happened to be our guest and then they were forced to go to a prefix menu And now we're seeing the quality, at least from the review that we just did, Mm -hmm. the quality has come back. Um, But we've seen this happen with restaurants before, and I'll say it again. I said it with Flying Fish, and to a certain degree they listened, not to a full degree, but to a certain degree they listened. I hope they listen with this too. Leave them alone. (laughs) Leave Brittany alone. Um, (laughs) It needs, you know, because finally... Finally, a moderate Disney resort has a home run hit of a table service restaurant because guess what? Boatwrights sure as hell ain't it. And that one over at Coronado Springs, I keep keep forgetting the name of it. The table service at Coronado Springs sure ain't it. This is good. This is really good. This is going to rival... A lot of other restaurants, certainly in the one-table service category for the Disney Dining Plan, but even in the two-table service category for the Disney Dining Plan. Um, And the fact that it's good, the fact that it's one-table service credit, the fact that it's at Caribbean Beach means this is going to be a busy restaurant and it's going to be a tough reservation to get.
2: Especially once the Riviera Resort opens, the DVC Resort. To get it. That giant, it's huge. So, And this is not a big location. I mean, I don't know how many tables are in there, but it's not a big space.
0: I my my guess is going to be this holds about 150 people. Yeah. That if yeah. I'm eyeballing it. I could be off, but I'm going to say it's about 150 people. So, um, so that you know, our experience with appetizers, main courses, um then dessert and really the only place I have to uh, ding them a little tiny bit. Really a tiny bit is with the dessert. Now they had run out of some stuff, so Um, We ordered um, uh, the message in a bottle, which was a coconut rice, panna cotta, uh, pineapple and mango lime sorbet at $8. The mile marker zero iced key lime pops with sea salt and a tropical fruit sauce. This doesn't mention that that dish, that that dessert is dipped in dark chocolate. Um, I don't know why that's not on the menu, but it wasn't. And then we did the, and that was $9. And the floating island, which was fresh Caribbean fruit and meringue with guava and uh, uh, guanabana sorbet. Am I saying that right? Guanabana? Sounds like bad (laughs) poop. Yeah. Guano. Bad guano, yeah. Um, (laughs) um, So let's say the hit, everybody agreed, I believe, the mile marker zero, these... (laughs) Uh, key lime pops with sea salt and tropical fruit sauce was the winner. Absolutely, It was a signature yeah. dish, really creative. It was serving up key lime pie in a way that you're not going to get it. It was basically a big lollipop covered in chocolate with key lime pie inside. Um, and I thought that was great. The message in the bottle uh, with the panna cotta, I'm not a fan of panna cotta. Um, this just was completely unremarkable on every mm-hmm. level. hmm it just had nothing that I, I don't think it, it brought really, no pun intended, brought nothing to the table. <laughs> and the floating island was basically just a couple of scoops of uh, of uh, of uh, uh, sorbet on top of a lot of meringue. Yeah, mm-hmm.
2: and they were tiny; they're like little tiny little tiny scoops, scoops yep. of meringue. Yeah.
0: And so it's not that any of these were bad per se. It's just for us, with what we were served, with the exception of the uh, Mile Marker Zero, these were unimaginative desserts, and because of the creativity and strength of the appetizers in the main course, it kind of put a spotlight on that, Mm -hmm. that these desserts are not really up to snuff with the rest of the menu, Mm -hmm. and that's really where they have to improve. But honest to god, this was the first night this restaurant was open. And this is all I've got. Honestly, if I I'm, I'm just trying to be fair, you know. Well,
2: and it's not like any of them were inedible or anything like that. No. They just like weren't our they weren't our favorite type of
3: thing. Well, and, but, were, like yeah. I said, it
0: suffers in comparison to mm-hmm. the creativity of the rest of the menu. What were your thoughts on the dessert?
3: I thought the panna cotta, I think we all just took one bite and we were like, "Oh, okay, you know, let's move on." And then um the sorbet was good. I think it was it was okay. I think in Caribbean cuisine, there's so much room for herbs and spices that they could have done something with the sorbet to kind of balance out the sweetness and fruitness of the sorbet. But they just added more sweetness to it with the meringue. So yeah. I was kind of let down by that. Um, but that the key lime pops with chocolate on them, amazing. No. I I would never think to put a bitter chocolate with you know a sour bitter fruit. So but it but it really worked. It was amazing.
0: No. Charles, your
1: thoughts? Um, similar, uh, the uh, what was it? The floating island. Um, it was just it was sweet on top of sweet with a little textural difference. Mm. I've, I'm not a huge sweet fan, uh, and there wasn't much flavor variation. I kind of found it boring. Uh, boring is the perfect descriptor for Message in a Bottle. The <laughs> best thing about it is the design it looks kind of unique when they put it down yes and
0: the message in the bottle is throw this back
1: yeah <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um but uh yeah so that was boring as well the mile marker 0 which the menu doesn't actually uh i think say anything about the chocolate but yes there is chocolate on those key lime pops and i, I was i love Bitter chocolate, and there was that there was bitterness, and then you know a, a sweet but still tart key lime, and the salt on the outside, like different flavors that all went really well together, and different than I was expecting when I read the menu. So that was like a fun surprise. The other ones, though, I would describe as as just boring. Um, they looked pretty, but there wasn't really anything to them.
0: Well, uh, also I want to make sure I mention that Steve and Eric both uh, tried uh, some of the specialty drinks they had. Mm-hmm. On the menu, Eric, you got the gold medallion, um, which had uh, Cruzan rum uh, or Disney Select Cruzan Disney Select right, single barrel right. rum, gin, gin, and brandy. It was eleven fifty. What did you think of that? When
3: I saw it on the menu, I I knew I had to order that because I've never heard of a drink with rum, gin, and brandy in it ever. I yeah, those, those are not I, that's a really strange would, combination. Yeah. So I had to give that a try, and it was. It was really good. I'm glad that it wasn't overly sweet. It had, um, you know, the refreshing taste from rum. It had the bitterness from gin and kind of a smoky flavor from the brandy. And it worked. It is. It did taste weird, but I knew it was weird while I was drinking it. But I still liked it. It. I just mm-hmm. think it worked i'd order it again
0: and and steve you got the uh caribbean smuggler which was captain morgan coconut rum cranberry and pineapple juices for ten dollars and fifty cents
2: yeah um and it tasted really good the only problem is that it was super sugary uh and i so i think it gave me a headache because of the all the sugar uh i would have rather if i have this again i would say to not have the coconut rum in there because maybe that's what kind of you know too much syrups or what I don't know what it was but um so it tasted good uh and if you like really really sweet drinks you might
1: like it but for me it was just too sweet
0: <laughs> and Charles you tried a non-alcoholic specialty drink which I was did. the mutiny punch
1: yeah um and I'm always happy when they have non-alcoholic specialty drinks there but I'm more happy when they do something unique with them a lot of time it's just We throw a Dwala lemonade with a bunch of other flavors and that's it. Every single Disney resort or uh, Disney restaurant you go to. So when they do have something unique, I I really enjoy it. Uh, This one's a blend of uh, raspberry, pineapple, lime, and cinnamon topped with fever tree ginger beer. And the the ginger beer uh, base with the rest of those, especially the cinnamon and lime, it made it really interesting, but not like flavor confusing. Like I thought it would be when they throw that much into one, you know, it's just a little hint there and, but I found it refreshing, but f- like really fun to drink. It w- it was something I hadn't had before. Uh, I couldn't even tell you what it reminded me of other than the cinnamon and ginger maybe, but yeah, so I, I was really surprised with it. It was, it was kind of awesome. Um,
0: now, uh, in total, um, for all this food, uh, we spent, I think it was about $280. So that sounds like a lot of money, but we ordered a lot of stuff. Um, but I will tell you now, I've, I, but I had my tables in Wonderland, so I got 20% off of that. Um, but I will tell you worth every, even at $70 a head, which it won't be for most people. Um, I think you should expect to spend between 40 and 50 a person, and I don't think you'll be disappointed. Scale of 1 to 10, Charles, what do you give Sebastian's Bistro?
1: Um, 8.5. I deduct a very small amount for desserts, which I think will balance out as they get more feedback. Uh, And then decor just a little bit. Service was top-notch. Every single thing was Um, top-notch. 8.5 to 9 for for an opening day. They did an amazing job. But yeah, I, I would say solid i hope that it stays that that good as it goes on steve uh
2: i'll say nine nine and a half i really like this place i think it was one of my favorite reviews that we've done in a long time um i would knock it i think maybe that half point for the desserts um i did i i think of anyone like the decor the most maybe i'm just simple like that i don't know um and obviously our service was great uh outstanding and the food was great. So, yeah, nine and a half, I think, for me. Eric? I thought the service was great. Um,
3: I think it's really hard to nail Caribbean cuisine because there's so much going on and so many flavor influences. Um, but I, I'd say nine. Nine on food, ten out of and
0: ten for service. And um, I'm, I'm going to give this a nine. Um, and I just really going in did not think that was what I was going to say. Um, for this uh, first night especially Um, this was polished this was they all know what they're doing and and here's the kicker the kitchen team is the same team from shutters that's the kicker yeah that's crazy same team from shutters so I have to assume the problems with shutters were management related Were something to do with how they were being either uh, not not allowed to do what the executive chef wanted or or what. Because I, I can't believe the food that we ate that night was coming from the same team that gave us shutters because that was a very different experience. Although towards the end of shutters' lifespan, I had noticed the food started to get better. So maybe it was the introduction of a new chef or something into the mix. I'm not sure. But I will say that this is a hit. And from what I'm hearing from other people who ate there that night, um, pretty roundly it's being it's being praised. I think this is a, a great new restaurant. This is a place I will go out of my way to go back to. Like, if I need yeah. like I will go out of my way to mm-hmm. go back there. Um I can't say that about any of the moderate resort restaurants. And there are a lot of deluxe resort restaurants I won't say that about. Uh, There's a handful of restaurants I will go out of my way, at a resort in particular, to eat at. This just got added to the list. So that is our review of Sebastian's Bistro at the Caribbean Beach Resort. We hope you enjoyed it. We'll be back with you again next week with another episode of the Disney Dining Show. Have a great week, everybody.